0: You are listening to the Josh Trains Me podcast.
1: Oh, um, nice, uh, nice molecule behind you.
0: Yeah, do you know what that is? Looks like DMT. Well, that's that's usually fe- people's first um, thought. It's uh, it's oxytocin or serotonin.
1: It's serotonin, right? Yeah, it's like two bonds away.
0: Yeah, it's I know, super close. I had a buddy over that uh, grows mushrooms, and he said the same thing. He's like, "Is that DMT?" I'm like, "No." He's like, and then he talked about the actual chemical breakdown. I'm like, "Right." Okay, it's pretty close. Thanks for uh, yeah. thanks for jumping on this, man.
1: Yeah, thanks for inviting me, bro.
0: You're welcome. I uh, I really like doing podcasts because it's a it's a way just to get content. Number one, like it's clearly a, a different way to get content. And it's a super easy way to merge people that wouldn't generally cross paths. Right. So I first heard of you actually, my ex business partner uh, about seven months ago was like, "Check this guy out." I'm like, "Okay." And I think the first one of the first videos I saw of you was uh, something like, <laughs> and it was yeah. like a super in your face video for me, and I uh, I fell in love with that. Uh, my, my perception of you was this like super embodied, confident man. Uh, and that's, that's a big reason why I wanted to invite you on. Cause I feel like you have a lot to, I have a lot to learn from you and I have, I feel like there's a lot you can share with people that might listen to this, maybe even outside of your, your, uh, audience. Yeah. Who is your business partner? I'm curious. Uh, his name's Drew Jessup. He, uh, we used to own a gym in Peterborough, Ontario but I moved out to uh, Victoria and the, the major obvious here, the the major difference here is the tans. Like you look at my complexion, you're like, this guy is in winter right now. And I look at yours and I'm like, this guy is in Texas right now. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm also um, a sun
1: worshiper. So I'm probably, I'm in the sun more than most people.
0: should. Good. (laughs) Good. Yeah. What's your, uh, what's your routine? Like with the sun.
1: I mean, I'm a huge proponent of naked sun time and just getting sun everywhere. And, you know, I mean, I, I've even, you know, I, I'm not a fruitarian, but I know from friends that are super into fasting that basically even like us white folk, you know, we're not Africans. We've involved to have a lot of melanin, but I've noticed more and more that like I can just be in the sun where other people are burning. I won't burn because i am just, I've cultured myself and like maybe it's aging me. There's all these theories, but Um, basically my buddy follows like dr sebi and fasting is like if you burn in the sun or you get these weird reactions to the sun it's actually because of impurities in your blood and in your skin so i think the cleaner you eat the more sun
0: you can have and that's been my experience and by cleaner what do you what do you deem uh cleaner eating because that's that's a huge just just local organic good stuff
1: I I, i eat pretty much paleo but you know i yeah. I, as much as possible, organic, everything I do heavy supplements and yeah. You re-
0: reduce heavy supplements or you increase? Oh, I, I use heavy. I mean, I'm, I'm yeah. deep into Taoist
1: herbs. I've used Ayurvedic herbs. I've been to nootropics. I do now I've been doing a crazy immunity stack for the past several months. So I'm, I geek out on this stuff.
0: God, let's geek out on some of it. My supplement cabinet looks pretty full. It looks fairly uh, western maybe with like some, some limbs into Ayurveda or, uh, like the performance side of training. Cause that, that's what I do. Right. I'm a, you're a performance coach. I'm a performance coach with a different lens focusing mm-hmm. mainly on training. So, mm-hmm. and this is sort of the playground where we get to explore that kind of stuff. What, uh, what, what, kind of, so let's talk about immunity. Cause clearly the past couple of years has been even more of a, a strangle on people. Um, what have you been taking and how long and kind of why? Yeah.
1: I mean, I, am pretty sure I've had multiple bouts of Corona. I mean, I never got tested, but you know, I had some crazy, you know, illness experiences and uh, yeah, it just kind of like forced me to be like, all right, I need to take this way more seriously. And so, you know, I have lots of friends that are balls deep and, you know, biohacking. I used to work for Bulletproof um, yeah. back in the day and, have been deep in the scene for a while, but kind of the new, I mean, the stacks are simple. It's, you know, liposomal vitamin C, it's vitamin D3. It's really good um, bioavailable zinc. Um, NAC is huge precursor to glutathione. What's Um, NAC? NAC is, uh, I'm going to mess up the name, but something, something cysteine and it's basically bioavailable um, glutathione precursor. I mean, if you can get straight up glutathione, that's even better. Mm. Uh, NAC is great. And there's actually tons of studies that are being suppressed about how it fights corona because um, it, it regenerates the bronchial tubes and the whole um, lung system. Um, I do a lot of reishi and chaga, which are adaptogenic mushrooms. Mm-hmm. I do a lot of turmeric. I do like a golden milk, turmeric, ashwagandha blend with wow. uh, bioavailable mag- magnesium and calcium. And so, that's kind of the basic stack the the next level shit that again there's studies that show that it kills corona directly and all viruses and bacteria is methylene blue so methylene blue is a dye that um, was haphazardly discovered to have amazing immune and energy properties actually boosts the mitochondria so you know this this was used in world war one and two the the soldiers had it Um, and that's, it's kind of like an underground thing. Now it turns your tongue blue. It's like this dye you can do intravenously Mm. or under the tongue. And I mean, it's amazing. I mean, Dave Asprey and Ben Greenfield, a lot of the biohacking Kings have talked about it, but that's kind of the newest one. That's really cool that I'm sourcing.
0: Okay. You're, you're trying to get your
1: hands on some blue tongue. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's stuff online, but I want to find like the really good stuff. And there's like, there's ways to blend it with other adaptogens and things like that.
0: I, I gotta check that out. Methyl blue. That kind of reminds me of. Uh, we have a two-year-old son, and uh, com- do you have any kids, Kevin? I don't. Not no. Yet. So yeah, not yet. Cool. So uh, he had thrush, and uh, we gave him this thing called gentian violet, and his mouth was just this like crazy purple color, all in his mouth. Like it looked like he chewed on pens for weeks, and that's <laughs> just what's coming up for me. I'm like, people think they look at your kid like what the fuck is going on man like (laughs) but yeah that's probably you know similar idea you gotta you gotta think beyond um dude how do you say your last name by the way it's Oros. oros oros yeah so who is kevin oros
1: yeah i mean kevin oros is uh someone i'm still meeting and and um developing the character i guess but yeah i mean the 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 main thing I am is a bard and storyteller. I'm a mythologist. So everything I do is about speaking and creating context and carrying stories, sharing perspectives. So that's the ultimate thing I do. Now, that looks like coaching entrepreneurs, teaching tantra, breathwork, yoga, meditation, teaching um, advanced authentic relating and things like this. I'm also an artist. I do spoken word and freestyle hip hop and rap um i'm deep into nfts web 3 and crypto and yeah those are some of the, the shades of kevin Norris.
0: yeah i like how you answered that still meeting him yeah be, I, I feel like i'm still meeting myself too and i feel like during the last i don't know, every month seems a little different every month seems like it's an extra sort of layer upon this like ever layered fucking core that i that i'm having a hard time finding um you wrote a book or co-wrote a book co-authored a book with uh that i have on order by the way nice Cadell last and daniel dick that's right who are those two guys yeah so Cadell is
1: actually when i was going for my phd in psychology and i was applying and getting in that whole mode um, Cadell was someone I discovered because I was super into evolutionary psychology. So Cadell a PhD who is amazing philosopher and clinical writer all around evolutionary theory. Um, he's a deep like Freudian, Hegelian, in philosophy. And so he's a he's a hardcore academic and YouTuber. He's got a huge YouTube channel. And then Daniel Dick is an amazing, also academically minded um, consciousness researcher um, who's also deep into Buddhism and practicing um, some of the Vajrayana Tibetan Buddhism. And he's also a deep philosopher. So I met him through Cadell, And yeah, we linked up a few years ago and co-wrote a book, Sex, Masculinity, God, that basically goes fairly deep into some of the core taboos around being a man, sexuality, God,
0: our relationship to each other, to women, to death, to all of it. What do you think the role of a man is in, in our society? Yeah, to borrow from Robert Bly and a lot of the core men's writers,
1: you know, it's protection, providence, procreation, and precedence sort or of to preside. So these are kind of the four qualities of the core male archetype and the man that I think is a healthy representation of a man. You know, so what are they? Protection, you know, protecting you know, the women, the children weaker men you know that's important we need protectors we need warriors um, because some of the people in the world aren't you know here for a life and i think we're seeing some of those people run our countries unfortunately um providence is to provide so this is the creative impulse in a man it's to provide and build and, and create value and distribute resources really important for men especially in business especially in a family um Procreation, obviously a healthy man is a father or a creator. Even if he's not having children, he's creating um, energy and systems and community. Uh, most men will become fathers. So it's really important that we own that role as fathers. That's, that's the crisis on earth right now is the father has been missing for a long time. And uh, precedence or to preside is to lead. So this is the king archetype. It's as a man, it's like, what are you creating with your legacy? How can you preside and actually overlook and lead in a good way, the society, the culture, the tribe, the village, your family, your sons and daughters, and you know a lot of these phrases would trigger someone who's bought into a radical left, you know, gender neutral, kind of downplaying masculinity. You know, there's a lot of toxic um, memes and dogmas running around right now in 2021. So I think it's really important that men step back into some of these these ancient and just, I mean, I say this with care, but you know they're, they're, they're self-evident. I'm not making this stuff up. These writers aren't making this stuff up. Anyone who's experienced life as a man deeply and is yearning and asking these questions will come to the same conclusions.
0: Um, you a fan of David Dita? Data?
1: I am, I'm a deep student of Data. I love his work and also yeah. his student, John Wineland.
0: Uh, I'm, I'm just like sort of rereading that book again, and uh, I'd say clearly there's some there's some parallel right with with like just leaning into being masculine and, and finding out what that means. Um, a struggle I've had navigating is relearning masculinity while understanding w- what toxic masculinity is. Um, Can you shed some light on that, whether it's like personal experience or through coaching clients? Because clearly that's not an uncommon sort of balance to have a struggle with.
1: Yeah, I'm not huge on the term. I don't like the term because it's been weaponized. I prefer like wounded masculinity or the shadow masculine, whatever you want to call it. But, you know, just like with any uh, human activity, there are behaviors and expressions that are violent or abusive or create disconnection. And so that's been labeled toxic masculinity. And it certainly is real, you know, the machismo and the the abuse of men across time is massive. And what isn't mentioned, and this is the danger, is um, all the good things and the, the progress and the beauty and the love of the masculine is not included in that. So, you know, a lot of men have learned and were conditioned to basically shut off their feelings, shut off their heart and hustle or dominate or compete and kill, whether that's emotionally or psychologically um, other men, and then disrespect women, essentially disrespect the feminine and including the earth. Um, Nature is feminine. So disrespecting nature and, you know, the, the war machines of the world and the nation states and the corporations, I think most embody this. And now of course, individual men are holding down those stations. So, know i think ultimately it's healthy it's like a purge we need to talk about this we need to shed light on it now is toxic masculinity the defining feature of men everywhere no not at all and so the danger is that people get blanketed with that statement
0: right yeah that that makes a ton of sense i actually like the i like the term uh you know you said like shadow maybe the shadow of masculinity I feel like there is a lot of danger in even phrasing a title uh, with with a negative correspondence or a negative correlation. So yeah, I actually really like that. Um, have you received a lot of? Uh, maybe I'll rephrase this. What's your mindset around receiving hate? Yeah, I mean, I'm no stranger
1: to it. I went viral with a video actually about toxic masculinity um, Uh several years ago. It was called masculinity is dead. And it was talking about the old paradigm of masculinity, which has been labeled toxic, et cetera. And I got death threats and really intense um, trolling, upset people, opinionated people. Um, This is back when you could actually go viral organically, which I don't know if it's even possible anymore. (laughs) Um, Certainly not on the platforms I've been using, but. Yeah, I mean, basically getting haters now on the other side of years of just creating content, it's a KPI actually. So getting haters is a key performance indicator. If you're getting zero haters ever and you're creating content consistently, you probably aren't going hard enough. You actually aren't stating your opinions in a strong way because no matter, and this is one of the core mantras that has set me free and I think is just so beneficial for people. Um, No matter what I do, no matter what i say and no matter how perfectly i bring it or how much i try to please people somebody is going to disagree and that's okay mm-hmm. i can actually still love you even though you disagree with me and that's something i wish more humans learned and practiced so ultimately if you get haters it's all about how you deal with them and i think it's a, it's a kpi it's a good sign some of yeah. some of my super fans are actually haters they give me the most energy
0: yeah that's a good way to to look at it too, is just sort of feed off of that fuel off it. I've, uh, I've only heard the same thing and I've only heard that, that haters is a, yeah, KPI. It's a great way to look at it, but it's a good sign. It means you're doing enough. It means you're being heard. And I, I just completely agree with you. Um, but I feel like that's always a, always a question. I like to ask people that have a following because, you know, I think maybe from the, from the outside seeing if you have or, or realizing you have haters could be something that could be very detrimental to you if you if you don't have the self-confidence or self-preservation or or maybe self-esteem to sort of look past that uh especially on the fucking internet man it's like a it's like a breeding ground of just like raw fucking bullshit yeah um You said, uh, you've talked about this already a little bit, but you say that some of us, so I'd like you to rephrase this if it's not quite in, in how you're, how you've orchestrated, but you said some of us believe in profit power and, uh, perpetrator energy and embody this. What? So why is that? Why might that not be optimal?
1: Yeah, this was kind of an alliteration in one of my recent videos that just kind of came up as I was speaking, but yeah, I mean, so profit and perpetration and, you know, being in like, if you only seek profit, for example, with finance, you're willing to cut corners. If profits, the goal, then you'll sacrifice connection, humanity, morality, all these things. And this is what a lot of companies have done. I mean, and, and we know what that feels like, we know what happens. People are devastated emotionally, psychologically, financially. Relationships are broken. And this is not good business. It actually, it wasn't worth it. Talk to the people that got rich at the expense of stepping on people. They're empty. They actually have regret and they feel feel alone. So it's very sad. So profit is not a great model to only aim at. Um, Same thing with power status power influence if you go all after power which has been like the traditional mode for a lot of civilization again you're going to end up alone this is why this phrase it's lonely at the top that's not true in collaborative power or synergistic power that's true of winner take all i will betray your backstab anyone to get to the top and again this has been the mindset that's been drilled into us by society in babylon And, you know, perpetrator energy is basically, I'm just going to take, right? This is the predator in the shadow or the, or the abuser, right? This is the, the perpetrator is the polarity to the victim. So a perpetrator needs a victim, right? And then Mm -hmm. the savior can come in and save the victim. And then the savior becomes the perpetrator. I mean, there's just, there's these dynamics that play out in business and sex and politics, and you can just see them on display in the world. And now with Corona, they're getting amplified 10 x a hundred X, So we can see them so clearly because they're not working. They're not working for the species. They're not working for the planet and they will be phased out. People that are addicted to profit power or being perpetrators, they're going extinct. And so those people that are still choosing that, they have a really hard battle because they're fighting natural law.
0: They're swimming upstream. Mm, That's fucking interesting. I like that you, uh, well, I like that you think and express this way that it's not just like, you know, the, the people that oppose that it's also like mother earth. It's like nature's law. That's fucking dope. I like that. Um, What? So if an individual is caught up in this power, profit uh, perpetrator, energy um, vision or destin destiny, what are some actionable steps to move beyond that? Or, You know, beside that.
1: I mean, the first the first step, which is how Buddha, Socrates, all these guys got started, is to doubt, ask questions. Why are you seeking it? It's the first step. If you follow that deep enough, I guarantee you'll get to a place where you realize it's not actually what you want. So most men especially are seeking these things: profit, power, being a predator, a perpetrator, because now, I should say that like these things are amazing too. They're sacred. So there's a light aspect to them. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to be successful in business? You got to make profit. Of course. Um, what we're speaking to here is like, if you sacrifice everything for that, right? You yeah. get all in on that. Power, right. we need power. We need good men and influence and powerful positions. hundred percent. There's this part of the perpetrator, the predator, which is like a penetration masculine leadership energy that creates sexual polarity and creates action. It's, a, it's mm-hmm. an action taker. That's actually really healthy. So there's there's both sides here, it should be said. But the folks that are on the shadow side, you know, just ask your heart, ask your body. Like, how are your sensations? How are your emotions? How are your relationships? Most men I've worked with or I've known that are on that side of the shadow, they, their relationships are in shambles. Their emotions are stunted and repressed. Their bodies hurting, they're, they're 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 suffering because they've sacrificed. Everything in the pursuit of money, power, sex, whatever, and nothing else. And so there's a holistic like coming home that has to happen.
0: Holistic coming home that has to happen. Interesting. And you feel like, is that possible to do on your own? I mean, if it is, I don't know how. I mean, you can
1: get really far on your loan. You can go really fast. But if you want to go the distance, you need support. You
0: need a community. Yeah, I agree with that. How? um, I'm part of a men's group here. It's called uh, Samurai Brotherhood. You've probably heard of it. I think they're all over the states as well. Um, I had a podcast guest on recently. He also does men's group. He's a breathwork facilitator. He's, He's involved in some similar things as you. And we were discussing the we felt like there's a real need for, you know, to not just rekindle wounding and and trauma in men. And I'm sort of speaking a little bit outside of what I, like, I wouldn't necessarily take on men that are in trauma and, and heal them. But what we were discussing was that, you know, there's clearly a lot of issues with men, and men are in trouble. And we discussed that we felt that it would be much more much less westernized if we stopped thinking of it as reactive and started thinking of it in a proactive way. So, you know, um, providing very accessible support to men's in their like pre-teens, pre-pubescent and throughout puberty, um, groups that could hold accountability, hold space, express and lead vulnerability lead intention are there groups out there that exist like that 100
1: i mean there's there's a lot of work being done with the youth now and it's growing really fast i mean sacred sons is a group i've been part of that does this mankind project does this um, this is really what we need is to help train boys to become men to actually step into it early Is there anything that you do specifically or is your demographic the man? I mean, it's funny. Most of my demographic on the analytics is women. So most of my followers on all my platforms are women, which is interesting. That's the Uh, same as me. Yeah. Well, women use social media more statistically and they also purchase consumer goods and personal development more statistically, which is interesting. Um, Which I think it makes sense. The feminine is all about you know, the inner circuit of the tribe and connecting and collecting and um, making the connections and relationships. And also sometimes, you know, they're purchasing for a family or for a partner or for a community. So it it makes sense. Um, I definitely have different strains for everyone. Some of my best clients have been women, female entrepreneurs. Um, My best groups have been men and the best events I've been a part of, I would say, are for men. And, you know, I really, I support, men to claim their power and become kings and train and i support queens who are in their power
0: to come into balance what got you in what got you down this road like you're how old are you when did you start studying to to uh i guess say this phd and then how well, take it back I to didn't the do my and... phd actually
1: oh. i never actually started it i was okay I was about to start it, basically,
0: okay.
1: um, when I kind of had the awakening experience. Um, I'm 32 now. And, you know, on this, this tra- like trajectory I've been on, it's been seven, eight years where I've been seeking and traveling the world and really opening myself to life. But, you know, I didn't set out on this road intentionally. I, wa- I started in politics. I um, wanted to be a lawyer. And then I switched to psychology and philosophy and wanted to get my PhD and study, you know, evolutionary psychology and be a clinician and professor. Um, Then I just really went through a lot of heartbreak and betrayal, had a, you know, high school sweetheart cheat on me, had a massive anxiety, kind of just like coming to God experience of like, what am I doing? What the fuck is meaningful? Who are these people I'm surrounded with? And went through that that kind of dark night and found yoga and martial arts, found psychedelics and philosophy and just really, you know, was able to expand out of that and get perspective. And then I started traveling and, you know, finding my way into, you know, high performance leadership summits and retreats and biohacking and getting deep into Tantra and yoga and meditation and met mentors. And some of my early mentors were Elliot Holtz. I met Elliot at a very key point in his journey when he was deep into Osho and was studying with a sannyasin, which I had found in India, came to the States, went to some trainings with him and got really deep into that. And that was really the kind of the beginning of hardcore men's work. And then Sacred Sons, I was part of their first three retreats and men's circles. And now I've been working with the European men's um, gathering and European men's movement with manifesto in Denmark and, found my co-authors the last couple of years and we wrote this book. So it's all been, you know, I couldn't design any of this or chosen it. It's, it's, it's happening in accordance with, you know, what, what's being created in my life through synchronicity. That, that's honestly what, what it is. Um, and obviously the network is stronger all the time. More and more people are joining
0: this. More and more people need it. More and more
1: people celebrate it.
0: What are some KPIs to know if you're on the right path, like your true path? Yeah, I think synchronicity is the primary KPI. So synchronicity is meaningful
1: coincidence. Um, There's no such thing as coincidence. That's just a made up idea by materialist science that doesn't believe in um, a non-physical reality. Quantum physics and hardcore mathematics tell us that all protons in the universe are connected to one another at distance and they shift one another time can move backwards and forwards. Time is just a construct. So anyway, all all this, there's, there's real science here. It shows us that, you know, nothing is a coincidence, especially the moments where you have high emotional charge and, and desire and purpose and questioning, or you have high confusion or you're, you know, you're forlorn or you're lost. Those moments are pivotal. So I highly recommend reading the Prophet by Khalil Gibran, I would recommend The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho, and I would recommend The Surrender Experiment and or The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. These books will change your life. Um, you can read, you know, Synchronicity by Carl Jung as well. He's the one who coined the term. That's the primary KPI. Um, that one can be tricky, though, because, you know, it's like you're thinking about becoming a rock star and it's eleven eleven, 11 and then you think that's your life purpose. It's like it's not that simple. Right. Um, But you got to start somewhere. I think the other major KPI is who you're meeting, who you surround yourself with. So you need people around you that are teaching you, learning from you at the same time, and ideally mentors that are way ahead of you. So you're surrounding yourself with people that can really help you level up and get into your, your highest potential. And so once you do that, and once you commit to that, your whole life can change. So that's a KPI is who you surround yourself with. What's their level of wealth, relationship, health, success? Right, move in that direction.
0: Yeah, that's a that's pretty universal too, especially among business. Anyway, right, surrounded like, what was it? You're the average of the five people you associate yourself with. Like, it's oh. it is classic. It's it's happened to me before too, where I was surrounded by some fucking mega mega people, and I just started to elevate. And I, and I truly feel that too. I think that that's really important. Um, I'm going to, I'll put those books that you recommended in the links below so that people can check those out. I, man, that alchemist book has been, I think it's one of those books that's been in my Amazon cart for like five years. So (laughs) just finally fucking buy it. One of the best
1: books you can read and it's an easy read. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, part of, um, Part of why I wanted to get you on the podcast too, Kevin, is because there's something about you that, um, and again, we don't know each other. Um, I've been following you for a little while and I wouldn't claim to know you well, but you can generally know at least a dimension of someone through how they present themselves on social media. And I, and I can imagine that you would be trying to be authentic in your line of work on your social media. I feel like you have this, this uh, like depth to you. And I, part of that is a kudos, if, if, if that feels accurate to you. And part of it felt, or part of it feels like, like it's far ahead. Like, you know, when I look at someone like you and, and I'm checking out your videos and your content, I'm like, man, I'm nowhere close to that. Like it's, it's uh, aspects of it are intimidating which is part of the reason I wanted to get you on here because I recognize that as like a, holy shit, man, this is, this is some things, these, this is some info or some, some embodiment that I haven't tapped into. And I can imagine there's lots of people that would look at someone like you and it's all perspective based. So, um, but they, they might, they might also see that there's a, you know, there's a gap. Sure. So I know that you know you've talked about being down this sort of path for seven to eight years. You've met mentors surrounding yourself with people. What are I'd like you to give maybe some like giveaways almost like what are some initial you, you talked about asking why, like to to get started so that you don't see this purely as obstacles, right? Because we all have our own journey and we all have the, the potential to be embodied and to be in ourself. And that doesn't need to compare to other people. So I wanna, I wanna make sure that I express that, you know, you seem like you're in yourself and that's what is partly intimidating to me is that uh, maybe I'm not in myself. And I, and I'm learning that, and, I, and it, this feels like a this feels like it's going to have a powerful conversation, a powerful turn in the conversation, because yeah, there's going to be a pivot point.
1: I appreciate you, Josh, for naming that, and you know, it's the classic, you know, classic phrase. If you spot it, you got it. So whatever you're seeing in me is because it's in you. In a very real way, not in like a woo woo way. It's like you're noticing things that actually um, are, are are wanting to manifest or in dormancy or maybe they're activated, but you haven't owned them yet. And so it's like fuck. And that's the combination of being intimidated, but also being drawn towards something. And I have this also all the time. And I hear that from you. And sometimes it's hard to understand how that can be true because I feel just like you're feeling. Maybe with me or someone else, I'm feeling with other men or whatever. So right. this this part of being human um, and social hierarchies, which are real. Now, I made a decision a long time ago, essentially that I would never work for anybody. So I'm not gonna like that. Doesn't mean I won't serve someone or have a mentor or be led. I can be right. a good follower because to be a good leader, you have to be a good follower. But it's a difference. It's like, basically, I wouldn't sacrifice my vision or my purpose for someone else's vision or purpose, which I did very painfully. And ever since that time, which was seven or eight years ago, I mean, I'm trying to pinpoint the moment, there's been so many. But essentially, it's just making a commitment to yourself and never letting go. And also realizing that, you know, dark nights will come where you run out of money or you get rejected or you lose love or you have an injury or illness or something doesn't go right. And that's going to happen. And that's, that's okay. Actually, this is a big pivot point to go and th- go within and get correct with your alignment and your integrity and your vision. Now, that being said, the times where you are the most successful, the times where I was the most successful as I was being brutally authentic to the point of being embarrassed or ashamed or like I could have fucked up and I did fuck up a lot. I still fuck up a lot, but those were the times of the greatest success. So eventually you just do it enough. I did it enough that I started to learn the lesson. I'm like, wow, if I try to people please or be something other than what I am, I will lose. And if I win by doing that, I still lose because I didn't get to express my authenticity. This is the Bruce Lee wisdom. This is all jikundo. It's like about expressing yourself at 100% mm. and training to be able to do that. Um, one of my mentors always said, because, you know, I, I know I have gifts, too. So I, I don't want to downplay or pretend that everyone can do everything. Most of the game is just owning your gifts. My gift is my voice and my mind. So I I know that now and I just can double down on it. My mentor always said, "What." comes most easily to you demands the most value Hmm. and that's that's money that's impact that's inspiration whatever so and this is an entrepreneur hack too Hmm. you know when you're in corporate or you're in school they're like oh your your weaknesses you need to like work on them so you're well-rounded that's all bullshit if you're amazing at football and you're amazing athlete who cares about calculus you don't need to focus on that that's a bullshit program. Go all in on that. Be the best running back, whatever. If you're really good at poetry or you're really good at art, go all in. Like celebrate your strengths and go all in on them. Be selfish, be self-full. Fuck what society's told you. Forget yeah. the schooling and the conditioning. That's that creates mediocre people. That creates workers. School is not designed to make you excel and be unique. It's designed to help you fit into a a cog in a system, which we need. And and we're grateful for all the people that um, are in those roles by choice, hopefully. And they have other geniuses. They're, They're using other places, side hustles, hobbies, relationship, whatever. So everybody has something unique that they're really good at. And you have to go all in on it. That's the long story short.
0: Two things that came up for me there are, there's there's 100 there's two schools of thought there right train your weaknesses to bring them up and then there's what you're saying and what a lot of other people are saying is like like why the fuck would you spend time on stuff you suck at when you are you know hopefully you're clearly good at at least one thing <clears throat> have you ever focused on like do you have a uh, comparison to say like at a point in your life where you were focusing on your weaknesses Oh, totally. Yeah. Well, I mean, what, I've, what are some of your weaknesses that you felt?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I have gotten to a point where like I've worked on a lot of my weaknesses, so I'm actually better at them, which helps now. So it, it's still valuable. No matter what you choose, it's going to be valuable to you. It's just at what point will you go all in on your strengths? Like some of my weaknesses, for example, are um, micromanaging or, or having a bunch of systems in the background and organization and that kind of stuff. Um, not my favorite thing, not my best thing, especially in business, but I went all in on it and, and, you know, even worked as a virtual assistant and like learned all the systems and blah, 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 and built a website from scratch and all this stuff that like, I shouldn't be doing, but I did it because I thought I had to, right. I thought it was a one man show. So I had to do everything myself. And this is the other issue is like, when you don't ask for support, you think you need to know how to do everything and do all your weaknesses. Nobody is successful alone. You have to have community. You have to have tribe. You have to ask for help. And you have to have other people that are going to give you reflections and help you celebrate your strengths. And the ideal situation is with everybody's playing into their strengths in a a synergistic, cohesive organism, you have have the most powerful result possible. Now, someone will say, well, not everybody loves, you know, taking out the garbage or doing taxes. And it's like, Sure. Maybe that's true. However, somebody will do it, not from obligation, they will genuinely want to do it because of the incentive or because of the reward or whatever. And they still have their genius that they're still using in another domain. There's so much abundance and so much multiplicity with human beings that a lot of these ideas are all rooted in scarcity and they're all conditioning. Well, there's, there's already too many rock stars. You should just fuck the guitar I know you're good at it. Forget it. Just be an accountant. You know it'll be a stable income. It'll be good. It'll be nice. Then you're 40, you have the kids, you have a pot belly, and you're miserable, and you have a midlife crisis because you didn't go all in on what you love. Now, everybody has to find out for themselves, though, because you can hear this, and we've all heard it a million different ways. Mm -hmm. It's not new information, but until you enact it, it'll remain,
0: you know, just an idea. Do you believe that um, vulnerability is the key to connection? I mean, it has to be there.
1: So vulnerability has to be there because that creates an entry point. It lets down your armor. It lets you be understood and seen. So it's definitely an essential element.
0: I think that, that's something I've been thinking about a lot lately, being a part of this men's group and sort of, um, being reflective about a past relationship and trying to realign with a a deeper self vision. I'm noticing that, uh, from me, like someone has to be vulnerable first, right? It takes an initial, I'm just going to do it and I don't know what's going to happen. And I can, I guess this is more just a, just to state it for people listening, but, it, it really does help. And uh, just like me saying, you know, expressing some of the uh, like intimidation that I may have felt and it was well received, you know, it's not like vulnerability is a, a really powerful thing that we can often think the opposite outcome is going to occur when in fact, it's, it's usually a bid for connection and, and people can, I think, deeply understand and see that. I think there's a lot more example of people being vulnerable first and connection being made versus the opposite. Yeah, vulnerability is strength, actually. It's actually
1: not true that it's weakness. That that's a another one of these conditioned lies that a lot of people believe. Because vulnerability is just that's just nature. It's just the human experience is vulnerable. Like you can have all this certainty in the world, but ultimately you're in this body on this earth. There's a lot of confusion. You're going to die and you have to be with that. And you have to be with other people and and the uncertainty of intimacy and, you know, where you're going to receive or give love. And, you know, even though we're in an abundance, there's a, so much uncertainty that vulnerability is just a natural way. And, when you don't become vulnerable and you shut down, you actually just shut down energy and, and love from flowing to you. So if you're if you're not showing vulnerability, especially with your inner circle, with your partner, with your lover, with your business partners, with your core people, you know you're gonna have a really tough time connecting to yourself because you're not letting in the light. Well,
0: what about for folks that maybe don't
1: have anyone else? I mean, everybody has someone, even if you have one person even if it's a family member, even if it's, you know, a friend. You have somebody and you have to go first. Somebody has to be vulnerable first. You can just share about how you're having a bad day and ask permission, like, hey, can I share something with you? This is something I'm really struggling with. Or, you know, this is something I I wish you didn't know about me, but I'm going to tell you because I want to connect with you. Yeah. And that's so powerful. If you've never done it, it will change your life.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And the reason I bring that up is I definitely, or I feel that I know people that are in that boat that are in the, like, I just, it's too painful to express authentically. And that's hopefully this is just another invite to do that for those folks. I want to ask you a question. Um, so we talked about, the term toxic masculinity talk and you gave your sort of um, definition of how it fits into society and uh, sort of both sides of that. Um, You put up, you put up a great video. I'm going to reference a video and then I'll ask the question. You put up a great video about, um, you know, your partner's not your therapist and your, the video was about your your girlfriend or your female, your woman is not your therapist. Agree with that. I've had past experiences where that's not where I, I guess I support that even more. I'm like, yeah, another fucking point for that. David, David Dieter, Data, whoever the fuck you say his last name, he has lots of examples of that in his book too. The power of tribe. You need to connect with men outside of the relationship to to support and uh, you know reinforce your confidence. Um, how does a man? How does a man find balance? We're we're talking about, there's a lot of men that aren't vulnerable, have a very uncomfortable time practicing vulnerability. So how does a man practice vulnerability, emote, express with a partner or with loved ones without um, being overbearing, over-vulnerable, over-emotive, How does someone find that balance if that's a new thing for them? And this is something that I am sort of still on the fence with. I'm navigating this. How do you think that's, what do you do?
1: (laughs) It's a big one. I mean, everybody's got to find their own way, but, you know, a traditional kind of classic tried and true example is the man cave, right? Or the study or nature, As a man, if you're feeling big emotion or something's huge coming up, whether it's rage or grief or frustration or anger or sadness, check in with yourself. And this just comes back to the work. It comes back to personal responsibility. Like, do you have a practice? Do you know yourself? Do you know what you need? And then are you willing to go and be alone and sit with it? Even if it's for five minutes, go and sit with it first and like really take inventory. Do you need to express? Do you need to run or lift or scream or do martial arts? Do you need to be expressive? Do you need to actually go yin and meditate or, or go within or be in nature or go and walk in solitude and, and move the energy first, then bring it to the partner, bring it to the family or friends and do it with consent, permission and boundaries. So you have to set a container. You have to be like, hey, is it okay that I share some heavy emotion with you? And if they say no don't share it, you know, ask someone else, get support, you know, get, get your needs met, but do it with permission and consent. A lot of people are just dumping this stuff on each other and then wonder why they lose polarity or they get sticky or they get attached. You know, if it's really heavy, if it's really intense, you need to go with a tribe of men or you need to go with a professional who can help you move it and hold it. Um, that's not for your village. Most of the time, though, your village, your community will be able to receive it and transmute it with you. Mm-hmm. And so actually, it's about building so solid, healthy relationships. Yeah. A lot of people, I think, isolate too much or not at all. So they just let everything go out and get stuck and then it becomes drama or it gets sticky with people. Mm. So that, that's like you need to just sit with it first, especially for men. Other people, they isolate fully. And this is where I have fallen into. So for me, it's more about bringing it into connection and actually being vulnerable and letting my emotions be seen. Because I'm really good at isolating and holding everything. And I think a lot of people tend towards that. And the corona, you know, fractioned, everybody's at home or separated in community world. Mm. So you have to learn and practice with one person. How to open up and then you can practice with a group. And you know, I would really recommend men being in a men's group because it's a great place to practice this. I'd recommend women being in a women's group. It's a great place to practice this outside of the constellations of your work or your romance or your family.
0: Yeah, I, w- I would completely agree with that. I like the uh I like the phrasing of container. I like I, and I and I agree. I think it's important to ask for consent first and be okay and accept potential like rejection for that and say, okay, that's, that's true. Okay. I can't do that. And then fall back on that group. You're a part of, I know for the men's group, I'm part of, we have a, we have a group chat on the days that we're not meeting it. And a lot of us use that. And I can see that it's extremely effective, even, even over weeks. It's like, it's very, very effective. So it sounds like another fucking key part to being a healthy human is having connection and a group with the same sex, is going to be super super helpful um you're in texas right yeah what's the state of texas like right now not like what is the condition of texas right now yeah i mean i'm i'm
1: I'm from here originally so i I do love this state i'm proud to be texan and it's i mean austin i can't speak for all of texas i'm in houston right now to see my family but um Austin is where it's at. I mean, it's a fast growing energy and base of entrepreneurs, business people, men's work, women's work, crypto, tech, innovation, you know, consciousness, wellness. There's a lot of energy here. And also, you know, love it or hate it, the libertarian leaning, somewhat um, right leaning Politics here are very free. It's all about personal freedom and sovereignty and whatever you believe around Corona or the right to have guns or the right to eat what you want, do with your land, what you will um, keep taxes a bit lower. You know, there's a reason it's incentivized a lot of people, especially entrepreneurs to be here.
0: Hmm. Has that, has that helped people in you think lower class sort of, leap up to become an entrepreneur or take more initiative?
1: I mean, that's one of the tough things is, you know, I'd say by and large, yes and no, it's a mixed bag. I mean, if you want to be an entrepreneur, you know, it used to be Silicon Valley. I think like Austin and Miami might be the two best places to be. If you're, if you want to be an entrepreneur right now, you need to be around entrepreneurs. So that means go get a job at a startup, go get a job at Starbucks and then side hustle, build your business, whatever it is, or be around people, go to meetups. If you, if you want to do it, you can do it now, you know, with a lower class, whatever, like if you are struggling paycheck to paycheck, you know, and there's still a lot of that here. Um, it's going to be very hard to become an entrepreneur unless something massive happens. You have a mentor, you have a community, you can take risk, go into debt for a time, you know, it's not easy. And I think this is a systemic thing, Um, You can't blame entrepreneurs. Um, You can't blame, you know, the people per se. Uh, I think a lot of this stuff has to do with the way the economic system is set up, which I think is pretty broken in a lot of ways. Um, That being said, you know, there's a lot of exciting things happening with blockchain, with crypto, the future of currency, the future of the economy, I think is very bright. I think it'll be much more decentralized, much more distributed. Value will have much more meaning. And I don't think there'll be people sleeping on the street. and I don't think there'll be people starving and wondering where food and water is coming from because that's just absurd when we have hyper abundance, like America alone throws away like 60 million or trillion tons of food a year or something insane. It doesn't even make sense. And then people are going hungry. It's like we have a distribution problem. We have a we have a consciousness problem with the people that are running all this stuff. So you said you think this is going to change? I do. I, it, it might take a hundred years. It might take a thousand, but it's, it's slowly, but surely changing.
0: Gotcha. Okay.
1: Have you been up to Canada before? I have, I've been to Montreal and I've been up to the sunshine coast up in BC also.
0: Love it there. Yeah, it's beautiful. I, um, I'm on Victoria. I'm, I'm in Victoria right now. I just moved here a couple months ago from Ontario. I, I used to live near Toronto. It doesn't seem like, you know, at first through the coronavirus, you okay if we talk about this for a few minutes? Of course. Yeah. At first it seemed, uh, or, or it was as though provincially it was very different with how they were run with, with the rules and regulations around COVID, um, BC right now is not, doesn't seem much different than anything else. There's still lockdowns happening. There's still, um, I'm a non-vaxxed person. Um, that's my belief is that I don't, I don't feel like I need that. Um, and it's certainly, uh, it's, it's a, there's, there's a lot of opportunity to practice establishing connection, finding connection, seeking, relation, um, getting your needs met when there's a lot of people shut off and closing themselves off to folks like me. I also see there being a lot of opportunity if you can do shit online. Like that's, I've recently just moved my my whole business online. And I, I hope this isn't a naive approach. If it is, then I'll be shifting. But right now you're sort of, sort of untouchable by being online business from a business standpoint it's a it's a wild
1: fucking place man i mean you're untouchable in the sense that you have freedom to create and distribute your content and value and services which is amazing i'm very bullish about being online now the issue is that you know instagram facebook you know youtube you know, these, these, co- these companies own your data and content. And that's the issue is um, they can censor you. They can shadow ban you. They can throttle your reach. They can change your algorithm. And, you know, this stuff isn't a conspiracy. This is, you can measure this stuff. It's very real, which sucks. And the people that are going to see it are going to see it. And there are workarounds and things you can do. And there's never been a better time to go into business online. And play the game in a smart intelligent way and serve people and create value and profit so I, i'm also um, yeah I, i'm of the mind that the more we can use the online space in a sovereign way the better and this is where decentralization and blockchain is going to be the new game and the more social media moves towards that the more we create a space for free speech true free speech Um, I think the healthier, our ideas, our ideologies, our politics, our religions, all of it are
0: going to be. What's, um, what's a common daily routine for you or what are, what are the components that you, that are, are are completely necessary in a day for you? Is it breath work? Is it time alone? Is it martial arts? Is it yoga meditation? What are some of those keys for you? I mean,
1: recently I've been very just freeform. Like I used to I have a course I teach on flow state mastery, which is all about routine. And, you know, kind of that recipe was meditation, breath work, um, visualization, reading, writing and physical movement and fasting. So like that was like the secret cocktail that like I used to be militant with. Now, honestly, it's like the, the only things that are every day are cold water. So here it's a cold shower. If I can find a cold water plunge, it's amazing. Um, not not always there in Texas, but yeah. uh, cold water is a game changer, which I love. And then some kind of movement, whether it's dancing or lifting or it's just shaking bioenergetics with music, like that's kind of the go-to. Like, honestly, with meditation now, like I prefer a long walk. I prefer reading, um, freestyling, and spoken word poetry for me as a meditation and a routine. But I, I, I actually have I've kind of let go of a lot of my practices now because I just I wake up excited or I wake up. It's almost like I don't even need them. Like I, I use them when needed. They're like tools now. Where in the past it's like if I didn't do my routine like an hour or two hours every day, then I couldn't like you know. It's just. I think everyone, goes through phases. I, mean, I, I say the one thing that is good no matter what as a routine and as a solid way is, is movement, like move your body, um, move your body in some way. Even just long walks are magical and, and will change your state. And so mm-hmm. I've really committed to moving no matter what, even if it's you know, a, a light stretch or a walk, even if I'm sore, if I'm tired, if I'm exhausted, um, movement is the key. I think more people underestimate movement or they just think about it as something they do in
0: the gym, but it's actually something you do all day and you can
1: do anytime.
0: Yeah. And, and the word movement too, I think is, is commonly sort of a, a limited people have a limited perspective on, or at least I did at one point I would have thought, you know, gym, but movement can mean energy. It can mean limbs. It can mean nervous system regulation. It can mean thoughts, emotions, it can mean exercise, right? Like what you said, long walk. So much is happening. Um, I can kind of relate on some of that stuff too. As someone that's been super routine for a long time, I think um, I uh, m- most recently a couple months ago, I got to the point where I was creating these like mega morning routines that I realized were just like half day routines. And then I started to wonder, I'm like, how much of this is actually necessary? Like, are, am I just doing all these things that I just like doing and I think are helpful? Like, what, what is actually necessary? And one one of the thoughts that challenged me on this was Alex Hermosi. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He's a, he's a anyway, online coach that uh, trains people to open businesses. So... Uh, personal training businesses. And he said his morning routine was waking up and working. <laughs> I was like, fuck man, that's great. It's like, you know, th- it's a real buzzword, right? Like I, I have some course material on routines, morning routines, bedtime routines, but truthfully, it's just about, and I, and I think this, cause I'm sort of searching for this in myself. It's like, what, what do you actually need to feel optimal, you know, in a short time span? So for you, it's movement. You've gotten that down actually to just at least at this point to at least some movement. Yeah. I think the
1: other one is nutrition too. Like that's the one I'm kind of militant with always, even when I do cheat days or whatever, cause I love food. Um, I I've intermittent fast almost every day. I hyperhydrate. I have hardcore Daoist supplements. I do alkalizing greens and like um, enzymes and superfoods. And I do that every morning, no matter what. So that's been a game changer because I'm constantly cleansing and activating my metabolism of my body. So no matter what, you know, is happening sleep wise, diet wise, whatever stress wise, that's just, that's there, the hydration, the fasting, the superfoods. So that that's kind of the one that like it's on autopilot. That's not even a routine to me. Like for some people, it's hard to get into that. Uh, I've been doing that for years, and that one is, you know, it's worth mentioning.
0: Um, you mentioned you have a you had a course or you have a course on flow. Yeah. Um, you studied flow in university.
1: I mean, I, I came across um, Mikhail Chikamsehai and like the clinical flow psychology work in my university for sure. But it was really after university getting into tim ferris and bulletproof and dave asprey and you know the flow genome project and all that that i got like really deep into that and became a student of it
0: has there in your in your perspective in your life has there been anyone that's major majorly um contrasted or challenged michael's thoughts around flow i
1: mean i think he doesn't account for the artistic flow so what he's talking about for an athlete or for someone um you know doing calculations or business or something or you know I think it makes sense I think there's a mystical side to flow that artists tap into there's a side of flow that's like it's completely non-linear it's completely irrational it's completely spontaneous and that's what I experience with spoken word flow states and speaking public speaking I experience it with art with um, designing sound or music or even visuals like there's a whole different world of flow state there that I think because they were trying to measure it, right. Um, they
0: don't capture. So that's probably the only challenge, but other than that, I think it's really solid stuff. Hmm. Man, your spoken word stuff is really impressive. And, uh, I think part of the reason not to, not to steal the kudos from that, but I think part of the reason I think it's impressive is because I have such a disconnect from that. I express myself through drumming and, and writing, you know, electronic music and sound, and I think there's some other creative endeavors too, but do you find there's uh, forms of art that you have a really hard time connecting with?
1: I mean, yeah. I mean, there's there's a part of me that wants to learn actual mixing and production because I'm, I'm an amateur DJ. I love music. I love putting together sets and, and facilitating with music. Um, but the technical aspects, like, do I want to learn Ableton? Do I want to learn this stuff? I don't. It doesn't excite me at all. That's why I haven't yeah. done it and part of me is like beating myself out but you know then i find someone an epic person who does that and they're excited to do it and i can just give them my vocals and then we can make it. so yeah there's definitely there's another part of me that wishes i'd learn to play instruments right like at this point i'm a vocalist i'm a speaker i mean i can play some djembe and some hang drum and i love it but yeah. i'm not i'm not an instrumentalist and that's okay
0: yeah yeah that's that's great you've accepted that um That's cool. That kind of reminds me because I'm not tech at all. Like my tech side is so fucking limited, man. I feel like a grandparent essentially looking at tech and I I've been using this software called free loops. Have you heard of that? Mm -hmm. It's just another software you can use online for writing music. And I had this like 12 year old version I was using with like a super old computer and a fucking keyboard and a corded mouse. And I was just loving it. And my friends that were producers would come over and be like, man, you can, you can upgrade this if you want. And I was like, I'm comfortable with it. And I'm not a, I'm not about to learn a whole new interface. So there's, there's certain, I think there's an element to flow where uh, it's certainty meets uncertainty, right? Right. There needs to be an element right. of both. Yeah. So for me, it was that like I'm familiar with this program, so that's a certainty, and then I can fucking explore the realm of uncertainty. That's it. Yeah. 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 Cool, man. If what would uh, what's one thing that you would want to leave people if uh, this is your last day on Earth? Take the floor, man. That's how we're gonna wrap this up. It's mm. a great question.
1: I mean, the first thing that came up is basically. If there's my last day, it's that there is a art and a science to being a human being. And you won't find it in books. You won't find it in school. You won't find it on the media. It has to be passed from one human being to another. And it most often passed from nature to you by observing nature and observing your your inner nature. And every human being has to do it for themselves and when you touch it when you it's basically your resin or your reason for being your dharma whatever you want to call it your soul your psyche it's the core of that and i think now more than ever in 2021 as we're about to go into 2022 it's imperative it's actually not even an option anymore that everyone touches it and is playing at least 5 10% of its their capacity hopefully closer to 100 because the world needs it Everyone has a puzzle piece. Everyone has a part of the game that they're here to play a role in. And you have to find it. If you don't know what it is, your purpose is to find it. If you know what it is, or you think you know what it is, your purpose is to act on it. And I think mo- so many people need to hear that it's time, that you don't need to wait anymore. You can step forward. You can you can hit the ground running. The only thing in your way is you. And... Once you see it and you live into it, you'll laugh or you'll cry because it is a cosmic joke of how simple and easy it is. And also, it's the hardest and most meaningful thing you'll do. And that's it. That's all there is to it. As far as I can tell, that's how much I've gotten on three decades on Earth.
0: Thanks, Kevin. Appreciate your time today. Appreciate you, Josh. Thanks for inviting me. 100%.